I'm going to trust that you'll trust me that I'm just giving you what God's laid on my heart tonight. And because uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. This makes me nervous when I preach on things that sometimes uh, that you see in the church. And, and if you think people are going to believe that you're singling them out, I'm just preaching the Bible tonight. Trusting that God will help us, okay? And uh, so you pray for us and pray with us. And let's read Psalms chapter 26. Stand with us together, if you will, for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. Say, preacher, that kind of talk makes me nervous. Well, get in my shoes for a moment. I'm a, I get a little nervous too, okay? I like to spread the nervous around just a little bit. Let you wear it just a little bit, okay? All right, so Psalms 26 says in verse number 1, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash mine hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. You can be seated. Brother Ray, will you take us to the throne of grace and ask the blessing on the message tonight, please? Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne, Lord, we want to praise you for the holy and righteous God that you are. And Father, at this time as we gather together and hear your word preached, we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and that we would be attentive to your word. Thank you. All right. Psalms chapter 26, verse 1 says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. Then we drop down to verse 11. And the Bible says, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place, and the congregations will I bless the Lord. First thing I'd like to call your attention to and really, I'm going to deal with this entire chapter, but I want to call your attention to the fact that David in this psalm is saying, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. 
So we see that, that there's, a, there's a pattern in which he's walking, that being integrity. He's trusted in the Lord. Then he says, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart, for thy loving kindness is before my eyes. He said, I have walked in thy truth. Now we've been dealing for, I don't know, I really didn't mean to even go this way, but for several services, we kind of have been dealing with this matter of grace and truth. And we've emphasized the fact that uh, those are two attributes that we find in John, the Gospel of John, chapter number one, when we see man seen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was, it was seen through two attributes of his person, that being him being full of grace and truth. Now we mentioned that being full of grace and truth means there's no room for anything else. So when we see the glory of the Lord, we see it in the fullness of the truth and the grace in which he exemplified. We understand that he was truth. He is truth. But I'm thankful that he also is the one that brought grace. Now he's the author and finisher of our faith. You understand that we have grace because of the Lord Jesus Christ, because God the Father sent the Son. But here's what I'm interested in. If he's full of grace and truth, then we gotta, we got to consider 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. Now we're looking here at the psalmist David. He said, I have walked in thy truth. David was the one that, that uh, talked about the, the, the lamp unto his feet, the light unto his path. The word of God have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. We talked about truth and the light and the illumination of the truth. And we found that you couldn't have the light apart from uh, the truth. And you wouldn't find truth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. We all like grace, but with uh, truth comes grace. You have to have the truth uh, in order to get the person of Jesus in, in his entirety, all right? So 1 John 4, 8 says this, He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. So God is love, but we find and found in Hebrews 1 and 3 that who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, that being Jesus. We understand that in these last days, according to Hebrews chapter number 1, the Lord spoke unto us by his Son. His Son being the Word. All right, so understand here that, that who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, then Jesus was the express image of the person of God. That's why those who would not accept Jesus could not really accept God. For Jesus said, if you love God, you would love me. Because he was God in the flesh. But in this person, he was exemplifying who God was. He was the express image of God. And we understand that he was exemplifying God through two things, grace and truth. But wait a minute, God is love. And he's full of grace and truth. There's no room for nothing else. So if God is love, then love, Brother Marvin, is grace and truth. See, we think love is grace because it's unmerited favor. Us getting what we did not deserve. It's love because it feels good. See, on, on Valentine's Day, when I take my wife flowers, I'm expecting it to make her feel good. And, and so here's the thing. It really don't mean anything. If I mean seven days a week, 365 days a year. The card really don't mean anything 
if me and her are at odds all the time, fighting and bickering and at each other's throats, right? So how do you know that, preacher? Well, I don't, I won't tell you that later, okay? What, I, what I'm saying is this, though, in all reality, and all jokes aside, it don't mean anything. It's just, it's just lip service. I just spent 4 or $5 on a card, a few dollars on some roses, and it's just lip service. It doesn't mean anything because there's nothing there to support what I've said or what I've done. You understand what I'm saying? It, it really makes me feel better, but it don't make her feel any better because she already knows whether or not I care about her or not, right? So having said that, let's, let's look on here. Love, he that loveth knoweth not God, for God is love. Then if Jesus is the express image of God, and he's full of grace and truth, then love must be grace and truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His love sent us the way of salvation. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. His love toward us was manifest in his action to send his son to die for you and for me. Jesus is the express image of God. So John 1 and 14 said, And the word was made flesh and put among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the Father, full of grace and truth. These two attributes which exemplify Jesus was grace and truth. Jesus being the express image of God shows us that God is seen through grace and truth. We witness the love of God. How? How did you, how did you get the love of God? How did you experience the love of God? You accepted his son as your personal Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit moved on the inside of you. I have experienced salvation. Now, your experience may not have been my experience. I'm saved on the authority of the word of God, but I still experience salvation. And I'm still experiencing him today because, Brother Shane Christ, the Spirit of God can't move on the inside of an individual and them not know it. God's too big of a God. God's too real. God's too, too big not to manifest himself to us if he's present in our life. He will do that. That's why we may do wrong, but we won't do wrong and get by. I, I worry about people that do wrong and get by and say to me that they're living their best life now. Or I'm, 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 I'm tired of the fight and I'm just enjoying my life while I can. I've had people tell me that they're supposed to be saved. Some even called of God to preach. Look me in the eye and tell me that they just got tired and weary and they're living and enjoying their best life now just because they got tired of the fight. Friend, if they can enjoy it without any conviction on the inside, they not only were not called to preach, they were not saved by the marvelous grace of God. For God can't live on the inside and go against his word. And his word tells me that he'll deal with us as children. As, father, as a father would a child. For if he doesn't, we're bastards and not sons. Which means we don't know who our father is. We're fatherless, right? So, so as we understand that, we, we better quit going on feelings and start going on scripture. Because I fear, and I'm not one to beat somebody out of their salvation, but I believe that we have got people uh, that sit among church folk that are lost and dying and on their way to hell because they got slipped a counterfeit. And I'm telling you today, you don't, if God don't deal with you in your sin, and your sin is anything that's contrary to the Bible. 
God don't deal with you on that. God don't, don't prick your heart if God don't convict you of that. And it just goes on and on and on. And you can live a happy life. And no big deal, friend. I'd check up on myself. I really would. So the Bible here, we understand if, if God is love, then we know love is exemplified through grace and truth. So I would like to say this to you. We don't love people like God loves people if we don't give them both attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, I've been, I've been emphasizing the fact that we can't just have grace, 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 and no truth because that's not showing who Jesus is. And the Bible said as we preached last Sunday, I believe it was, that if, if any man preached any, any other Jesus than this Jesus, then we got a problem. And if you only preach grace, you're not preaching the Jesus of the Bible. But also we understand that we love our, uh, we love, uh, our brethren because we love God. And if we don't love our brethren, then we don't love God. So let me say to you this, we're supposed to love, right? For if we don't love, Brother Shane, if we don't, we don't have a heart of love for people, we're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now, how do, you, how do you show love? We understand that God sent his son Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ being the express image of God, he loved and he sacrificed. We talked about the giving part and the sacrificing part this morning, being willing to give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Them three Hebrew boys absolutely were willing to give their bodies a living sacrifice. They knew the God they served could pull them out of the fire, but if not, let it be known unto the O King, we will not bow down and serve. So what are you saying? I'm, I'm saying today they put their money where their mouth was at. So let me say, as we consider the fact that God's love is is exemplified through grace and truth. God gave because he loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but everlasting life. We should be able to say, Brother Marvin, for we so love God that we gave whatever. If we're going to love God, we love him because he first loved us. We should be able to flip that verse, not that we would take anything out of God's word, but we should be able to take that verse and, and in ourselves say, well, for God so loved the world that he gave. For we love God so that we gave. What? If God's love is exemplified through what he gave us and what he done for us, how is our love exemplified? Now I want to say this, we, we do a great injustice when we don't give the truth with the grace. But as we look here, the very essence of God's nature is love. It's put into action by giving. All right, now, how's that so? Because we see God gave his son. We, we have to be willing to give. The Bible said God loveth a cheerful giver. And so we have to be willing to give and willing to sacrifice and willing to do something here. And I want to say this, the image and likeness of God is being manifested through us when we act in ways which foster his love in the lives of other people. So we do that by how? By giving. Giving what? Well, it can be giving our substance, as we've learned already, as we've been talking to some on Wednesday night about honoring the Lord with our substance and the first fruits. It can be our substance, our money, our talents. It can be our time. It may even be, as we learned this morning, giving ourselves. 
Now, I would like to ask you, we, we talk about money and we talk about talents and we talk about substance. I'd just like to ask you for a moment tonight, what are you doing with your time? Now, we know, we've been teaching that if you have money, it's because God's allowed you to have it. Everything's his already anyway. Well, you, you understand that he created time, right? And you're here existing on his earth because of nothing you did. You had no part to play in being here. So having said that, I want us to understand that we've been given time and the Bible tells us to redeem the time because the days are evil. Be not drunk with wine. Where does that says? Be filled with the Spirit. That's a problem. Some of us are, are, are finding out that, that there may be a lacking part in our life where we're just not filled with the Spirit of God. It takes something to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we start talking about holy living and people get, you know, they tense up. But we still are supposed and expected of God to, to, to live in a holy in a holy manner. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. But he's expecting us to, uh, to, to why did he send evangelists, teachers, apostles, prophets, and, and pastors? For the perfecting of the saints. You're not perfect, Brother Marvin. You won't be perfect, but you should be perfected. You should be in an upward climb. You, you should be moving on to higher ground. You should not be stagnant and sitting in the same place that you have forever and ever and ever. You should be moving forward. So let me say this to you. How, how, how you spend your time is as important, Brother Marvin, as how you spend your money. We've been talking about our money. And we've been talking about wasting money. And there's a lot of things we can put our money towards. And I do want you to understand something. We, as we looked at the flows and the fishes and we've seen the other night how that God took this little lunch that this little lad had and he, he exponentially increased it to where everyone was filled, 5,000 saved women and children. It's on, a, on a very conservative number, I'd say 15,000 easy were fed that day. And still had 12 basketfuls left over. And we've been talking about how God takes what we give and he multiplies it. That our barns may be uh, plenteous and full. But we find that he exponentially increases, but he only exponentially increases what we give him. Now if you give a little, you reap a little. And I don't have time to preach that message. But you give a lot, you reap a lot. And we see that the more we give, the more he gives us back, which means there's more for us to give to him. And I'm going to tell you, you can't outgive God. He'll just keep giving and giving and giving back to you for his work. He doesn't give to us that we may sit up in the house fat and sassy. He gives to us that we may have more to do, more to work with for his kingdom and for his cause. So what are you doing with your time? Now, Look with me here in Proverbs chapter 3. We may go back to this psalm in just a moment. I feel like we need to. I want to I try to work through this psalm. But I want to show you something here in Proverbs chapter number 3. Because we were here just the other night. When we were talking about honor the Lord with the substance and with the first fruits of all that increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. But here's what I want you to notice. And as I've told you before, the Proverbs are very hard sometimes to put in context. And sometimes they're not meant to be in context. But, but in, this, in this portion of Scripture, the Bible says here in verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart 
keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to these. But look here, look here now. Let not mercy, what's that word? And truth, forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Then we find this very familiar verse where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not in thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. That means, Brother Marvin, we're giving in all areas of our life. It's not just honed in on money. It's not just our talents. It's not just our time. It's us as a whole. The hands off. Anything you want, Lord, you've got it. It's full at your disposal. You can have it. Take it. Do with it what you want to do. That's how you acknowledge him in all your ways. But notice with me here this cry that David has said in Psalms 26. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Therefore, I shall not slide. What's he doing? He's crying unto God that God might vindicate him because he has come under some pressure somewhere for something he has not done. And so some would say that David in this psalm is acting self-righteous. No, what he's doing is he knows that his heart is right with God. And he's calling on God to search his heart to vindicate him because David's always coming under an accusation. And David knows where his heart is at. David's not sinless and David's not perfect, but David knows his heart. And he's calling on God. Now, Brother Marvin, I might try to trick you, but I know that God knows where I'm at with him. Every one of us tonight know that God knows where we are at with him. No matter how we try to put on our best face when we come down to God's house on Sunday. But here's the thing about it. When you start talking to God, you're wasting your time. And here's the thing. Nobody prays to God and lies to God when they pray. They just don't pray. You know what you do when, you get, when you're not right with God? You don't go to the prayer closet and talk to God and tell him a bunch of lies. You just don't pray at all. But you know better than to go before him and tell him a bunch of lies because you know that he already knows. So what he's saying here, he says, Lord, search me. Because I, I, I'm right. I know I'm right with you. I know I'm doing right. I know my heart's right. He said, judge me, O Lord. For I've walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. Now what have we learned here in Proverbs 3? In all thy ways and all children, he shall direct thy path. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not of thine own understanding. That comes right after mercy and truth is to be hung about the neck of the individual. So what's interesting to me about this particular portion of scripture is, is the Bible tells us here, let not mercy and truth Forsake thee, bind them about thy neck. As the, what binds around your neck? Well, I'm wearing a tie. Some lady might wear a necklace, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an ornament to be seen. And in this proverb, we're learning that mercy and truth should be bound to the neck. Now, I can't see your heart, Brother Marvin, but I can see your neck. And I know right now that you have a black and a blue and a gray tie on because I see it. So for Marvin to have mercy and truth bound on his neck, I should see it. So I should not come to Brother Marvin and find mercy only. I should come to Brother Marvin and find truth. I should not only come to Brother Shane and find truth, but I should come to Brother Shane and find mercy. But I should not find them apart 
from one another. They should be together. You do not find grace without truth. But if you find truth, there is grace. Because those are the attributes of the Lord. Now we're to love because he first loved us. We are to exemplify Christ. How do we do that? With mercy and truth. Now just as we have people today that want grace with no truth, we have Christians today that think we ought to give mercy with no truth. And I have news for you. That's not loving your fellow man and that's not loving sinners. To give mercy with no truth is to give them a counterfeit Christ. Because our life is to exemplify Christ. That's like offering forgiveness with no repentance. Whatever Christian or preacher thought that was Bible lost his mind. For to be like Christ is, is, is to forgive as many times as you tell me you're sorry. And if Brother Marvin wrongs me and he tells me he's sorry, I am not right if I do not take his apology and accept it. But if I haul off and slap the spit out of Miss Tammy's mouth and Marvin looks at Isaac and looks at Tammy and goes, well, let's, let's just forgive him. Marvin ought to knock my teeth out. And Marvin would knock my teeth out. And Miss Tammy would probably knock my teeth out. But what I'm saying, Isaac, all three of them would be beating me up. That's probably what would happen. But what I'm saying to you is, is this idea we just forgive. Just forgive and forget. It, 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 it's going it's to take you down if you don't forgive. Friend, God, Jesus, don't forgive unless you repent. No man ever got saved unless he said, Lord, I'm sorry. When somebody goes, does you wrong, the Bible says go to that brother, talk to that brother, get it worked out with that brother. The Lord, the Bible is all about restoration. But you go to that brother and when that brother does not get it right with you, you know what you do? You take a witness. When you take a witness and that individual is still not willing to yield, do you know what you do? You take it before the church. Boy, we're getting on weird ground now because how many times do you see that happen? Then you know what happens when he, the person don't get right after it's taken before the church? You remove yourself from them. You remove yourself from them. And you call them a heathen. Now here's the problem. We're not willing to follow the scriptures in our life and expect grace coupled with truth. And we're not willing as ministers of the gospel and those that exemplify Christ to couple mercy with truth. I thank God for grace. I thank God for mercy. I have, as a young preacher, had older preachers that had mercy on me that didn't give me any truth. and They didn't help me any. They allowed me to go to the next pulpit that was open and put my foot in my mouth again. And really and truly, it was wrong. But I've had a few preachers in my young life that put their arm around me, that loved me, set me down with the Bible, and told me I was wrong as wrong could be. Explained to me that my demeanor was a little off. And that my demeanor didn't match my knowledge. And uh, I had zeal, but I had no discernment. And I still, I'm a, a preacher that's learning, and I will be till the day I die. But let me say this to you. They helped me. They had mercy on me, but they give me truth. You know how we spread the gospel? We give mercy, offer mercy and truth. But you don't give one without the other. All right? So having said that, we see that mercy and truth is about the, ornament, uh, about the neck as an ornament just as one would wear a necklace or a, a tie. 1 Peter 3, 
Verse 3 said, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. What are you saying today? I'm saying simply put here that what we're to be adorning ourselves in, what we're to have around our neck is grace and truth. And mercy and truth, excuse me. And so because of that, we find here that the Bible says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them upon about thy neck, write them upon the table of mine heart. Unless it's in your heart, it won't be about your neck. For out of the abundance of the heart we know the mouth speaketh, right? So that's a principle. What's on the inside will manifest itself outwardly. Now these attributes, this glory was to be seen outwardly. How did we behold the glory of Christ? Or how did man behold the glory of Christ? Because what he had on the inside was exemplified outwardly. That's, that's the thing. See, God, well, Jesus was the express image of God. So you're looking at the person as the express image of God. And then what's in the heart of, of God, the, 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 the God-man is now coming out of him and you can see it. It was manifest. That's how you behold the glory. If we're going to show people Christ, not preach or, or show a false Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible, then we have to have those two attributes of mercy and we have to have those attributes of truth. Now, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And you and I should be full of mercy and truth. And so to do that, that means we're, we're not God. You'd agree with that, right? Jesus was God in the flesh. We're, we're flesh in the flesh. And we have the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us that will help us. But we have to cut away some things with our li- in our life and some things that we spend our time on if we're going to be able to exemplify the Lord in our life by having mercy and truth bound about our neck. We're giving ourselves and our time to a lot of things that are not conducive to godliness. It's really a waste of time. And I, I find, and listen, I know that much study is awareness of the flesh, Brother Shane. But I'll tell you this, it never fails that when I get in my Bible and I do study and I do dig, the hours, Brother Shane, I look up and the hours are gone. I, I find that they're just gone. I've spent hours and I've run in avenues that I've never seen before and the word of God just, just absolutely disperses me through scripture and I start tying all these loose ends together and I start seeing this big picture before I know it God has shown me something I have never noticed or seen before through my time of study and my quiet time in his word I had a preacher tell this one time to a bunch of young preachers he said there will be a lot of Saturdays when the sun's shining that you'd like to be out doing something with someone else because God's called you to something you need to be in your study reading the Word of God. Now, it's easy to do to put that on the back burner if you're not careful, but it's the wrong thing to do. And you'll suffer for it every time you do it. But I'll say this, although study is, uh, much study is awareness of the flesh, it's always, always productive. Always. Now, having said that, mercy and truth. We look here, and the Bible says in Psalms chapter number 26, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. 
Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with disassemblers. Now, right here is where we're going to hit that rubber meeting the road part of the message, okay? Because when we start dialing in on specifics, it gets a little uncomfortable, and I understand that. We're finding here in this psalm that David did walk in integrity. David did trust in the Lord. David was so persuaded that he was doing these things that he asked of God to examine him that God might vindicate him because he knew that he was doing these things. Let me say this. You know whether you're doing right or not. Oh, you do. You know if you're giving God what God expects out of you or not. Notice this, though. Because he walked in his integrity, there were some things that he did not do. Now, I love you tonight, but if you're going to have integrity and you're going to walk with the Lord and you're going to have the Lord vindicate you, you're going to have some things that you cannot do. And this whole psalm, if you really break this down, after he exemplifies what he's done for the Lord and he explains what he does not do, we're finding out really this is a psalm of separation. There's some things that he has not allowed himself to do that has allowed him to maintain his integrity and his walk with the Lord. If you want to have integrity, if you want to have a testimony, if you want to walk with the Lord, you can. It is attainable tonight. But there will be things that you cannot do. Because you cannot do some of the things that we're fixing to find here, Brother Shane, and exemplify mercy and truth. For if David had exemplified some of the things that we're fixing to read, he could have exemplified mercy. But he would have had to let the truth slide. Now there's times that we have said already we can exemplify the truth, but not exemplify the mercy. One's just as bad as the other, might I say. Wouldn't it have been something for Jesus to give us the truth but not give us the grace? See, he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. The Jew, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, was blessed to have had the word of God. Abraham was given the gospel before the law was ever given. We've been looking at that. They, they were just missing it because they were expecting Jesus to come in a way that he did not come. But this is a psalm of separation. Said for thy loving kindnesses before mine eyes, I have walked in thy truth, I have not. So, to walk in thy truth means that there are some have-nots that's going to have to be in your life. Notice that I have not sat with vain persons. That's interesting. I have not sat with vain persons. Neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency, so I will compass thine altar, O Lord. Now notice with me what he is not going to do. He, he says, I have not sat with vain persons. What is vain? Let's just call these out quickly. Vain is proud of petty things or of trifling attainments elated with a high opinion of one's own accomplishments 
or with ones more showy, or, or excuse me, or with things more showy uh, and valuable, it's conceited. It's it's to be vain is to be empty, and it's to be unreal. Now we're to be full of mercy and truth, and to be around someone that's vain, because we understand that as we just learned in the book of First Peter. That one is not to, to, to exemplify all the things outwardly, but to adorn the, the hidden things of the heart, right? So to, to have the wrong things in your heart, but to be worried about the things that are on the outside all the time, would you, would you say that's vain? I mean, would you, would you say that the person that's always looking to have something for themselves, but not interested in the things of God, that, that's vain? Those are vain things, right? But, but it goes on. The Bible says here, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in. Notice that. Neither will I go in. That means, Brother Shane, we're seeing a picture of, of, of a place where, where people are at that are exemplifying this attribute to which I will define for you in a moment. And David's saying, I who am on the outside will not go on the inside with people that have this attribute. Notice with me. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. What does is, what is the word dissemble mean? To hide under a false appearance, to conceal, to disguise, to pretend that not to be which really is, to pretend to be that which is not, to make false appearance of. David essentially saying this, I am a man who's walked in integrity because I have kept myself from attributes that are not godly. Now, you're going to probably think that I'm over the top here, but I want you to understand something. This does not matter. God is no respecter of persons, Brother Marvin. So if Shane was throwing a party and he wouldn't do this, that I know is not a, not a good party to have thrown, I'm not to go in. Not, I love Shane, but I wouldn't have any problem telling him that. But there's some that the closer that this situation gets to their loved ones, the harder it is for them to abstain from it. Because they want to make excuses for their loved ones. God is no respecter of persons, and you shouldn't be no respecter of persons neither. And if you want to walk with God and you want to have integrity, you, as we talked this morning, are going to have to stand against some things. And what I talked about this morning was standing against some things when a whole entire nation and even a king was saying, do something. Even when the captives in whom God allowed to be captive, because of their disobedience, were willing to do it that still there was a few holdouts that would not bow to what Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to bow to. There's a lot of church folk bowing today. A lot of church folk bending today. A lot of church folk making excuses today. Now I want to say this. I see church folk that will stand one way in one circumstance and be right, but in another circumstance when it ought to be just as clear as the nose on their face, they will make exception for it over here. That's being double-minded. And a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. But what did David just say here? 
What did David just say? He said, my foot standeth in an even place. Last verse of Psalms 26. My foot standeth in an even place. Why? Because David wasn't no respecter of person. David's saying, regardless of the situation, I will walk in my integrity. Try me, Lord. Judge me, Lord. Look at my heart, Lord. I'm doing what you want me to do, and there's some people I won't walk in with, and I won't deal with, and I won't, have a, I won't take part in. Now, it's interesting because when we see here 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, Brother Marvin, the Bible says in verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, being unequally yoked together with unbelievers is an example of the rule. It's not just the rule. See, people think that this verse of Scripture means that a person that's married, or excuse me, a person that's lost, isn't to marry someone that's saved, or vice versa. Someone that's saved shouldn't marry someone that's lost because that's unequally yoked. That's an example to the rule. That's not the rule itself. While we don't want someone that's lost or married, or excuse me, I'll get it right in a minute, someone that's saved, marrying someone that's lost because that's being unequally yoked, that's not the entirety of what's being said here. Now, if you'll allow me... To, to, to explain this to you, the Bible says here, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. Now we're looking at the rule. We see the example here in unbelievers, marrying a believer, but the Bible says, In what communion hath light with darkness? Now we're looking at truth and we're looking at deception. Light and darkness. They don't go together. The one drives the other away. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So let me say this to you. David didn't go in this crowd and just fellowship with them. Now, if David had walked in there or kicked the door open and give the truth, he wouldn't have had to worry about fellowshipping with them. They wouldn't have allowed him in. There's a lot of places you won't have to worry about whether you can go or not. If you'll just tell the truth, they won't want you there. There's a lot of times we find ourselves in places we ought not be because of mercy, but we don't have the truth with us. And if you had to give the truth to go with the mercy, your hind end wouldn't be there in the first place because they'd throw you out on your tail. How do I know? Because I've had people even in my own family don't want me around because I tell the truth. Now listen. I like mercy and grace, but that truth part hurts. But you know, it's always the truth that it takes the truth to get you the grace. When we offer mercy and we're not willing to give the truth, we are promoting darkness. So notice, if you will, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship of the righteous with unrighteous, and what communion hath light? With darkness. Notice that. For what fellowship? For what fellowship? Let me give you the definition of fellowship. Fellowship is company. A state of being together. Man, that's amazing. Anything that brings togetherness when it goes against God is wrong. Un unless you plan to stand in protest then understand that you have no business being there. Now, brother, me and Brother Shane being, you know, 
Christian brothers, I don't think it would be appropriate for me and him to go down to the beer joint tonight, pull up a, 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 a table and a chair down there, and uh, be there as a, as a light in a dark place. Because, you know, we're there to exemplify Christ. No, truth be known, I'd say that what happens is if we opened the door to one of them establishments and brought the truth, we wouldn't be allowed to be near that establishment very long. So there's some places we find ourselves in the name of mercy that really we know in our heart there's no reason for us to be there. The Bible goes on to say here, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. We need to be reminded once again that although the Holy Spirit did move on the inside, this is a temple. Brother Shane was teaching in the book of uh, Gospel of John this morning in Sunday school, and he brought up and referenced the fact that Jesus went into the temple to which they had made a den of thieves instead of a place of prayer. That's amazing. This ought to be a place of prayer. This ought to be where I commune with God. People went into the temple to talk to the Lord. To be in the presence of God. David, in the very next chapter in Psalms 27, made that very clear that this one thing have I desired, and that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? That he may behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. So notice, if you will, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 said, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now notice this. The very next verse, 2 Corinthians 6, 18 said, And will be a father unto you. Ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Well, I thought that if I'd done wrong, he'd be a father unto me. But now, if I do right, he'll be a father unto me. The thing is, a father loves, but a father disciplines. And what you need to understand is, is if you don't want the spanking all the time, see, some people, they get upset with God because God seems to be on them all the time. And the simple fact of the matter is, Brother Marvin, you don't have to get the spanking all the time. You can sit down beside God, and God can put his arm around you and love on you. I like to be loved on by God. I like that part of the relationship. I don't like the spanking. My kids do not have to be disciplined if they obey. But if they disobey, they have to have the discipline. So what am I saying tonight? Simply put is this. We need to understand that God is expecting us not only to receive grace coupled with truth. He's expecting us to exemplify it as well. And we cannot be yoking together and fellowshipping with those who are in sin. You now say, well, Jesus sat with sinners. He sure did. But what was the two attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ? Grace and truth. You remember the woman at the well? Jesus went out of his way to go see the woman at the well. He offered her something. 
that she couldn't get anywhere else. We've been given something that we can't get anywhere else. But he did not let her leave without letting her know that he knew she was a sinner. Thou hast well said. Thou hast had five husbands. And the one that you're with now is not your husband. He did not give her the opportunity to partake of what he offered without letting her know that she was a sinner and that he knew she was a sinner. You and I, when we get around sinners, we ought to love them. But loving them is loving them like God loves them because we're not loving the way, the only definition of love we get from God. And God's love is grace and truth. Our love, to exemplify his love, should be mercy and truth. If you allow yourself to go in establishments, if you allow yourself to be part uh, of something that is against God in the name of mercy, but you don't stand in protest with the truth, then you are not walking in the light as he is in the light. You are promoting darkness because you are not exemplifying all of who Jesus is. You are preaching another Jesus. You are exemplifying another Christ. And the Bible has much to say about someone that would exemplify other than the Bible's definition of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm done tonight. Sister, if you'll come to the piano for just a moment, play an invitation, a song, just a number of your choosing, just softly. I fear that we fell into a, a, a trance as the church in these last days, to, uh, just full of compromise. The average church today is so full of compromise that it's sickening to God. And it's so full of compromise that we've lost the definition of sin and what is right. People can't get right because they're not given the truth. I could not get right till I was given the truth. I had to see myself as I was. Jesus came, Brother Shane, to seek and to save that which was lost. He still desires that those who are lost get saved. If he's used the church as the avenue to reach them, then he's expecting the church to exemplify the same traits that he did and use the same tactics that he used, and that's to exemplify mercy and exemplify truth. You're kidding yourself, and the devil's laughing all the way to the bank with you if all you ever want to exemplify is mercy, 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 mercy. We don't have to be, we don't have to be liberal. We don't have to be pharisaical. For to be pharisaical is to scream the truth at people and never offer them the mercy. We're not going to be Pharisees in this church and we're not going to be liberal. But we are not going to offer grace and truth and not, excuse me, grace and mercy and not have truth coupled with it. And you're not doing anything for God in your life as a Christian if you're compromising and going and putting yourself in situations that are anti-God and against this book when you're not sharing the truth. What you're doing is going down there and sitting among them and fellowshipping with them and being part of them and harboring them in their sin. Say, well, it's a family event. It's a family. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a family reunion. If there's sin going on down there and it's growing rampant, you don't have any business being there unless you're going to go down there and protest of it. I'm not taking my kids to no family reunion where they're cussing and drinking beer and acting stupid. I wouldn't be invited to one anyway because everybody knows where I stand. 
say, preacher, that's hard. No, it's, it's Bible. It's truth. If we're not going to stand, who is? We are part of the church. And for some reason, I hate to say this this way, but our message has been neutered, Brother Shane, because we have set down on God and quit doing these last days what God is expecting us to do. And it's simply to tell the truth. We, we've got to get serious today in this hour. I don't know what it's going to take to wake some people up. I don't know why some people can't get a grip. I don't know why some people are willing to compromise their testimony and compromise their stand for some and others they won't. It's, if it's right, it's right. And if it's wrong, then it's wrong. God's not going to excuse it because it's one individual or the other. I fear we got family members and loved ones that, that are not getting the truth. They're just getting the mercy. Well, I don't want to lose them. They're already gone, friend. <laughs> and for every day that they're living in sin, they're taking others down with them. If you love them, oh, but I love them, preacher. If you're not giving them the love of God, you're not loving them. Loving them is giving them the love of God. And that's mercy and that's truth. Not one without the other. We are suffering today from parents who will not stand for what is right, for family members who will not stand for what is right because we just let it go. We just excuse it because it's them. You won't let it go with the judgment. You ought to stand stronger against the opposition with your family than you do anyone because they are the closest to you. It was Paul who said, I would that I was a curse for my brethren. He was talking about his brethren in the flesh, his kind, his people, those that he were related to. So oh, I love my children like no one else. I, would, I, I, I mean, I, my children are my babies. Well, that's the case, friend. You better stand stronger for them than you would anybody. Are you going to watch them go off to hell or take their kids someday off to hell? Well, my kids are saved. They're living in sin. That's fine. The sin they're living in is going to drag the kids they're raising off to hell. Part of being a mama, part of being a daddy, part of being a leader, part of being it, God's child is standing for truth. And I'm so sorry that we've got mercy without truth and grace without truth. They got to be coupled together. You're harming. You're cutting out the lights and bringing on the darkness. And you won't stand for truth. As she plays, if you need to come, please come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. If you need to come, please talk to the Lord. I'll give you the burden of my heart.